In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. have indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson this week on the show graham wetterhan of after hours theater company joins us to talk all about the los angeles immersive invitational which is coming up may 13th through 15th here in los angeles bringing the la immersive community together for a weekend of fun and uh, brand new original works uh, that will be created over the weekend. We're going to get into all the details in just a little bit, but first, I've got your headlines. Researchers at Carnegie Mellon University's Future Interfaces group have created a way to simulate kissing in VR, amongst other things, using ultrasonic transducers say that three times fast, on a hacked consumer headset, the researchers are able to create the illusion of touch on the face and even inside the mouth, which is a little weird when you stop to think about it. Obviously, we're pretty far out from this being readily available at your local Best Buy. Yeah, I shop at Best Buy, what? Uh, But the lab experiments are able to create complex sensations and open up a world of possibilities. Team Lab, the Japanese art collective known for the groundbreaking projection mapped experiences at museums and galleries around the world, is suing the California based Museum of Dream Space for copyright infringement. The suit, originally filed in 2019, has now been responded to by the MODS in new filings this week, with both parties requesting a summary judgment. A hearing is set for this June. At stake, just what can be copyrighted in an immersive art installation. That one comes to us via Ricky and Sarah of Pseudonym Productions. Thank you both. Uh, Thanks for dropping the news off uh, with me this week. Uh, Finally, last one up, Tribeca Immersive has announced its programming lineup for this year with 21 projects across three unique categories of selections bound together in a, quote, thematically curated selection of experiences that address our relationship with nature, society, and with ourselves through digital art and cutting-edge technology, unquote. The festival is also introducing a new Voices Award for Immersive that will be awarded to a first or second time XR creator who, quote, brings new perspectives and artistic languages to immersive storytelling. The un- end quote. Gotta remember the end quote. The event will run June 10th through 19th in New York City, and at-home audiences will access with access to headsets that can run the Museum of Other Realities, so we're basically talking PCs here, uh, will be able to experience projects there. And those are your headlines. Did I just say headlines? I don't know if I did. Anyway, whatever. Moving on. Uh, no Pro is brought to you by the generous support of our Patreon backers, who remain comple- we remain completely community-funded and apparently unable to speak the English language. Uh, this week, we had no new backers, maybe because I'm constantly stumbling through this part. Uh, Patreon.com slash No Presidium is how you help us. Help me, help me, help me. I can't talk. I'm a podcaster who can't talk. Uh, but we are currently standing at 370 backers and we're just about $171 away from our, our next uh, major milestone. So uh, if you can find it in your heart to help us keep going, uh, please do. It's been a big week at the website. Uh, we had all of our Without Walls coverage. Uh, if you click one episode back you in the feed, you're going to find the review crew talking about Without Walls. And by the review crew, I mean myself and Laura Hess. Poor Kevin gets to, gets to basically moderate us, talk about our time at the Without Walls uh, Festival. Uh, there's also uh, the call sheet went up this week. Uh, there was a regular review rundown. Our friend Martin Jimenez uh, went to the the, uh, the Feist concert here in Los Angeles this week, which was this intimate concert that used immersive elements. He like was like 
texting me from it being like you got you got to see this thing and he like wrote up a wrote up a review for us uh it is currently in seattle uh i think i remember that correctly and then it's uh, headed down to stanford uh so uh, uh it's called multitudes and uh it sounds really interesting um so maybe some of you will be able to catch that. The tickets aren't cheap, although they they seem to have had some uh, really cheap tickets on the day of in L.A. So maybe uh, maybe check that out if you're in Seattle or uh, in Stanford. And then uh, Games for Change registration for the Games for Change Festival uh, was announced this week. Uh, they've got some really great speakers coming through. And you can also find that on the website. Uh, that's your sort of full tour of our publishing cycle here. Uh, and now, uh, we're going to hop into this interview with Graham Wetterhahn, uh, who I always enjoy talking with and who I'm actually texting with right now, even as I record this, <laughs> I mean, not literally, but, uh, there's probably one waiting for me on my phone. Here we go. If you've been listening to the podcast over the past couple of weeks, you have heard me hyping up the Los Angeles Immersive Invitational, which is coming up this May 13th through 15th with the public performances happening on Sunday the 15th. And yes, as you can tell, that's what this entire episode is going to be about. Uh, I am here talking with Graham Wetterhahn of After Hours Theater Company, who are putting this event together and indeed uh, sparked the event back all the way back in 2019, which was the first time uh, that they pulled it off. And it was some of the most fun I had that year. In fact, it was one of the last good things before the dark times. Graham, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for having me. Just for those who haven't heard me blather about this a few times, uh, what is the Los Angeles Immersive Invitational? Sure. So the Invitational came out of, in 2019, we were doing a uh, play that had a, a really successful uh, extended run, but our actors, we had two lead actors and they both booked uh, TV and film gigs. And so we had uh, we had rented our theater space through the end of August and they were out like the first week of August. So we had the space for a few extra weeks. And instead of just sort of eating the the time and money, we're like, hey, what what can we do with this? And so I kind of just, I think with maybe like three or four weeks before the proposed event was like, hey, what if we did just like a 48 hour immersive theater competition? We haven't gotten to do immersive theater in a while and it would probably be a fun way to, to kind of get the community together. Um, and so against the better judgment of a lot of my team, uh, that's exactly what happened. And I think everybody was really excited uh, with the final product. It was very scrappy. We did it. Um, you know, some of the spaces were like, we had four teams, uh, like in dressing rooms and small black box theaters. We split a playing space in two. It was, uh, it, it shouldn't have worked as well as it did. And yet it was probably one of the most fun nights of theater I've had in my entire life or just live performance. And so I know we all really wanted to do it again and, and we're planning on doing it annually. And of course, uh, COVID happened. Shocker. And uh, now that that is uh, ho hopefully knock on wood, um, becoming less of an issue in Los Angeles, uh, we decided to bring it back. Yeah. So what what is it? Oh, so we, we, you know, oh, sure. we talked about how like, you know, it came together, right? Like the, the origin story there. But like for, for both the performers involved and, and I guess for the audiences who come through, what is it that they're doing? What is it that they're getting? You say 40-hour film festival, and those of us who have done 48-hour film festivals know what that is, but a lot of people haven't done that kind of format. Oh, sure. Of course. So essentially what happens is we uh, invite a group of teams or a group of existing immersive companies, um, at, you know, individual immersive artists come Friday night. They get there uh, at about 6 p.m. We tell them, hey, you have 48 hours to, uh, to develop a 10 to 15-minute piece. Uh, we usually give them some batch of ingredients. I think last time it was, here's a specific prop you have to use. Here's a specific line you have to use. Here is the space you have to use. Go. And they can do anything they want as long as, and I think, you know, it had to be 10 to 15 minutes and you had to have, it had to be for four to six people or something like that. 
and so they can create really anything that they can possibly think of. Uh, it, it, you know, and then at the end Sunday, we invite an audience in and we invite some judges in and uh, everybody gets to show off their work and experience it. But, but even beyond the, um, you know, the performance element of it, I think one of the, the most exciting parts of it is just so many immersive creators under one roof who have never all together been under one roof before. So you get a lot of really exciting collaboration, everybody play testing each other's work. We do have, you know, every team does win a prize, but, it, you know, the event is not intended to be competitive. It's basically intended to be, you know, a celebration of the immersive community here in Los Angeles. And I, I uh, hope that that's what we'll have this year. I think it will be. Yeah, we're going to get into get into the lineup uh, a little so bit I'm realizing later. I don't know if I actually answered your question, which is basically well, when you buy a ticket. Oh, sorry. No, go. Oh, no, 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 no. You go for it. Because now, because, yeah, you, you answered like the part uh, from the from the performer's point of view, but yeah, now, now the audience's point of view, what, what do the audience get out of it? Sure. So from an audience perspective, if you were to buy a, uh, we're going to have two types of per performances, previews and the main showcase, uh, you will get a come, you'll get to see, uh, approximately eight, 10 to 15 minute immersive theater pieces of various style. And, uh, from eight different teams, uh, some are companies, some are individual artists, ad hoc teams, and you'll uh, all in about a two hour window. So it's very exciting because you'll get to see a lot of your favorite companies work uh, one right after the other. And then also the audience gets to vote on who their favorite is as well. And, and that's one of the prizes at the end of the weekend. So why, why are we doing this right now? Like what's, what's the, what's the thought about, you know, dropping this in the spring of 2022? I think there's probably two main reasons why now feels like a good time to do it um, beyond just logistics of it works out in the schedule. Uh, number one being, you know, I think we've, the community's kind of been down for a couple of years and I think something like this hopefully can kind of jumpstart collaboration. The last time we did it, there was two of the four pieces ended up becoming fully developed shows. Uh, there was collaborations between teams. And so I think I'm kind of hoping that, um, you know, the teams develop some relationships with each other. It sort of inspires people to create work. And, and the second, perhaps more important reason from a selfish reason is I know, you know, when we've gone to try and create work the past two years, it's been extremely challenging. We've had a lot of wonderful ideas. And every time we say, hey, yeah, we're definitely going to do this. COVID spikes, we, the idea gets too big and money gets involved. And it's just been very frustrating to create. And so I, one of my favorite things about this kind of 48 hour format is I think so often when we're producing work, um, you know, logistics and, and the world get in the way. And, and this sort of takes out that factor because we're dealing with all of the logistics. The space is provided. The timeline is provided. You just have to give us a weekend and you can do whatever you want. And so it's just a, a really awesome opportunity for artists to get to do art which is a really rare opportunity because I'd say the majority of the time your favorite uh, immersive theater company is dealing with logistics, renting spaces, dealing with permitting, dealing with insurance, hiring people, you know, uh, rehearsals. So getting to just create uh, in, a, in a fun and low pressure environment, I think uh, is where some of the best work will get to be done. Yeah. I think that people who don't know the the rigors of what it takes to to put on one of these productions particularly particularly with immersive you have so many other you know, random factors right you know like you're usually not a traditional theatrical space so you are pulling permits you are you dealing with whatever quirks the space has to 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 give you and the, the pressures just mount and mount and mount and it it can often, you know, just just kill the soul <laughs> of creators to like have to be that level of guerrilla producer. You know, like there there's a reason why uh, I think one of the reasons why it, it immersive ones are being so cinematic so often is because it requires you to think like both a theater producer and a film producer almost at all times when you're making this stuff. And there's just something about that mode of production that starts to bring in a certain vibe. Um, and I know that 
my experience of the 2019 event where, where I got to be one of the judges. And so like I was there at the kickoff part and then I came back around for, you know, kind of like the final couple hours where the performances was just getting to see uh, these, these groups uh, just, just make something out of nothing, you know, like just the barest spark of an idea and that you, you had these like incredibly um, potent little pieces. Uh, and, in, and indeed, you know, uh, we mentioned a couple of them going on. Uh, the Sleepover, Jansen Lalek's piece, uh, that became a Zoom show. It was also, he was hoping to take it to the Hollywood Fringe at some point, uh, but, you know, COVID. And then we kept on, I think both ourselves, and I think even, I think Landon Zakheim may have programmed into one of the festivals he programs, uh, Corin Wicks had a piece called Casting, which won uh, the 2019, and it was just brilliant, and it it was just so inventive and so weird, and also just so poetically true. Uh, it was this absurdist casting session uh, that uh, that ended with this like uh, semi-participatory dance with you know these professional you know modern dancers. And and just all of this stuff just happening, uh, is kind of drawn down from Olympus and then here in front of us. And I I, I don't want to put too much pressure on the people who are making, <laughs> say like, oh, you can see the most brilliant things you'll ever see. But it's like just hoping that we can set the conditions up so that lightning strikes twice. Uh, where is this happening? Uh, speaking of setting conditions, like well, what, what space were you playing? Sure. Yeah. This year we're doing it at the uh, Shakespeare Center of Los Angeles, which is. Uh, pretty close to downtown, probably about a half a mile to a mile away from the Amundsen and the music center. Um, they have, uh, I, I think, pretty robust street parking in, in an underground lot. So uh, I, th- I think it'll be you know, pretty pretty safe and comfortable. I know some people are always worried about that when they come down. Uh, and I think we uh, are able to have alcohol. So we'll, we'll, we should have cocktail and beer and wine sales as well, which will be fun. Nice. Well, what, what is the sort of setup that... Um the Shakespeare center is like, can you talk about like the physical space itself? Yeah. I, I mean, the Shakespeare center is a very large and very exciting space. Um, in fact, some of the biggest challenges are, are going to be because of the size of the space. Uh, if the last festival took place in about maybe 2000 square feet total, and I think that's even being a little generous, it was probably closer to 1500. This festival is taking place over probably about 15,000 square feet. Uh, it is enormous. The main warehouse area is about 7,000 square feet. And you think, oh, great. Like, that's that's awesome. You can fit all of the teams in there except Soundbleed. You know, it's just one giant empty warehouse. So how do you, you know, you can't run too many shows in one giant empty room uh, because every the audience will hear everybody else's show and then nobody has fun. So uh, size is both a blessing and a challenge for sure. Um, but there's a lot of really cool, like basement spaces and dressing room spaces, and they have like a library space. So I I think there's some really cool, uh, you know, for there, there's, there's different, very different types of spaces. So for a company that wants to do something kind of small and immerse, uh, small and intimate, maybe an escape room type thing or a haunt type thing, or, just something you know very intimate uh we have those kinds of options of spaces and if somebody wants to do you know a large sweeping piece over four thousand square feet they're going to have that opportunity too fantastic well speaking of companies doing things um we're recording this on wednesday the 27th and the applications closed on monday the 25th and there was deliberations yesterday and this morning you started informing folks, right? Yeah, that's right. We, we sent out the uh, official invites this morning and uh, uh, we were really, really excited and thankful for all of the teams that, that applied and participated. Um, is, is this where I'm where, <laughs> Yeah, that's, I'm, yeah, that's me setting you up. So who, who do we got? <laughs> Who do we got? Who's now, obviously like some people, you know, they've been informed and like, we haven't gotten, you know, well, you could tell that part of it. That's well, I started to, but. I, so yeah, yeah. I, I, will only <laughs> announce, I will only announce people that have officially confirmed with me and given me permission to share on the podcast. So this is not a complete lineup. 
Um, I think, you know, bef- one thing we're really excited about from last festival to this festival, last festival, we had really incredible teams that did really incredible work, but the teams were predominantly young and emerging companies without, you know, t- too many credits to their name. I think, you know, like somebody like Jansen, I think it was maybe his first uh, thing, yeah. thing in, yeah. in LA immersive, even though I know he'd been interested in it in a while. And now he, you know, he's wrote, co-wrote the Bridgerton experience. So, uh, you know, that was very exciting. This time we have uh, a mixture with some of the, um, I don't want to overhype it. Uh, well, I mean, actually start, start there. Cause you just mentioned if memory serves someone who's going to be involved. Right? Th- that's right. Yeah. So, so Jansen, who that was his first, uh, thing ever. They now have a company name at the time they were team ad hoc and now they are, uh, competing as Cricklewood immersive. Uh, that's our first team. Um, they're the only team from the original festival that will be competing as a, uh, an, an actual participant. Um, Corinne Wicks, we just found out as well, will be there, but she's going to be doing a, uh, sort of an exhibition piece, uh, in the, in the lobby entrance area, uh, which, which after hours will be programming, um, to create sort of a nice frame to the event. Uh, we also have, um, you know, one of the stalwarts of uh, immersive in LA, one of the old guard, uh, the Speakeasy Society is coming, uh, which were, you know, they're some of the first immersive uh, shows that I've seen in LA ever for some of my personal first experiences with immersive. So I'm very uh, honored to have them involved in this. Um, uh, Natalie Jones from E3W has put together a team. I don't know if it's going to be anything like E3W or not, but I'm very excited. Uh, E3W, I think uh, I, I told them this, but they're in another room season two, uh, I think was potentially my favorite immersive piece I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, that was the one in Culver City, if anybody saw that one. And um, to me today, that's still a, a benchmark immersive piece. So I'm very, very excited to have Natalie and her team involved with this. Uh, some of my, you know, after hours, I always sort of think of us as one of the the few companies that sort of straddles the line between uh, traditional theater and immersive theater. The only other company that I think really does this is also participating, which is Rogue Artist Ensemble. They're most known for their Woodboy Dogfish piece, and they are experts uh, in puppetry. And the, uh, they also did the Kaidan Project, if anybody has seen uh, uh, that, either that show or their app. Um, really, really creative, really talented uh, designers. And, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to bring to the table. Uh, and then a couple people know that I think you know a little bit better than me, uh, but we're also very excited to have uh, Spy Brunch uh, just confirmed today. Uh, Spy Brunch, and- who, have, who are best known for their um, uh, Safe House uh, series, uh, which is a, a series of uh, spy-themed events uh, that had both a 70s and an 80s edition of it. Uh, they've also uh, did some big experiments on Gather uh, during the pandemic and have been, and have also made some incredibly great, really just tiny, intimate pieces. They did this one piece, and its name is escaping me at the moment, but it was this piece they did at the Hollywood Fringe a couple of years ago, which was just for one person at a time and was about you and a uh, and an android that you were sent off into space with. And it was one of the, like, the most heartbreakingly sweet pieces I've ever experienced, and that was a that was a uh, you know a, a super intimate immersive piece they did, uh, and so uh, the, the the heart of Spy Brunch. There's there's a number of artists who work with them, but like uh, Nick Rumble Jones and uh, Caitlin Schiller are are two of the key creatives over there, and uh, it's it's really exciting that they're also uh, in the mix this time out. And. Uh... Another group with uh, a very sort of different twist and maybe a different background is the Ministry of Peculiarities, which runs uh, an escape room. I think it's in Azusa. Is that right, Noah? I think that's right. <laughs> the notes are not in front of me at the moment, but yes, they're 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 out they're out east of Pasadena way. Uh, this was this was a piece that uh, to to my horror, I still haven't I still haven't gone to Peculiarities yet. But Peculiarities is one of those pieces that. People, when we were we were looking for stuff for the next stage, and we were like, "Oh, what's new? What's interesting?" And uh, folks like Tommy Haunton and a few of other dear friends were like, "You really need to check this out. This is absolutely incredible." And I'm basically jealous of everyone who's gone out. Um, you know, I'm I'm just getting back into my like 
not my pre-pandemic ways, but you know, I'm I'm a lot more active than I was uh, even just a few months ago. So, like top of my list is getting out to Ministry of Peculiarities. And um, when I saw their application come in, I was like, "Oh my God, we've got to take them! <laughs> like, we've got to get peculiarities in there." They had uh, such a cool application too. I think their entire thing was written kind of in like an alliterative riddle. It was very exciting to read. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's some mad genius action going out there, and th- that company has worked with folks uh, from you know they're they're performers in in the piece, and they they work with folks from like the Speakeasy Society, and who worked on Delusion, and who worked on um, you know in JFI shows, and so uh, they're they're this newer to the you know, immersive scene of LA company as it were. Although like it's, it's a bit hard to say because, you know, in non-pandemic times, you know, we would have, you know, been, you know, they would have been around, they, they've been around for a minute, but because of the pandemic, it's all strange. Uh, so this, this, the, I'm really excited uh, to, I'm stumbling over myself to say, I'm excited to like put them under the same roof as like some of the folks who've like been around for a minute. Cause I think it's going to be really fun for folks who are like, Oh, the speakeasy society and like rogue or dude, I'll go. And then they're like, they haven't done ministry peculiarities. Maybe they haven't done a spy brunch show or people who've done a spy brunch show. haven't done a rogue show. Like all that sort of stuff uh, is in the mix and it's just giddy about it. And then, so I think those are the uh, official companies that have confirmed there are a few uh, very exciting uh, unconfirmed people, which hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have definitive answers. Um, you've you've alluded to them already into this podcast, but I will not uh, say anything more. Um, and then in addition, we have a bunch of, uh, you know, really exciting uh, solo and duo artists uh, who have a lot of experience and we're either going to do, um, you know, some, some will, will get to work on their own teams and some will, will kind of ask to, to form a super team and, and see what a brand new company that's never worked together can create. And I think that's also one of the things I'm most looking forward to is what happens when we, we put this group of, you know, you're, you have all these established theater companies and then you have a couple of artists who are just incredible solo artists and what happens when you throw them in, in, in a, in a pot together, uh, and I'm excited to see what comes out. So how, how you know, most of this is about, you know, most of the time on this, the 48 hours is going to largely be, you know, the creators working together. But as we always say, you know, you don't have an immersive piece until it meets the audience. So how is the audience going to get a chance to, to meet this work and, and check out what gets crafted over the weekend? So I think there's going to be, we've talked about having two different types of audience experiences. Uh, there's going to be earlier on Sunday, probably around noon, uh, noon to two or some, uh, something of that sort, we're going to have a preview performance. Uh, the, the, the pieces should be play tested. So it's not like that's the first time the, the, the shows are going to have an audience. We're going to make sure they kind of play test throughout the weekend, but uh, that will be the first um you know, outside audience. And so those pieces are still, you know, technically just like any preview considered works in progress, probably more so uh, in in a situation like this than your typical preview. Uh, but you are also getting to see the work as it's being created. And it will also have a, a ticket price that's probably uh, less about half or even maybe a little less than half of what the main showcase ticket price will be. Uh, and then in the evening, uh, probably starting around five o'clock, we're going to be having um, the the main showcase, uh, and we're, we're we're still kind of figuring out. We'll get into I'm sure some of the difficulties and complications of scheduling this, but I think we're going to have two different performances. Probably one around four or five, and then the other around six thirty or seven, um, so the audiences can see every piece. Uh, and those will be uh, completed pieces. And in that time, we'll have our uh, special judges come in uh, and 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 judge the shows. And then after that, uh, around 10 p.m., we're going to have a little award ceremony at the end of the weekend. Um, but yes, you can buy a ticket to either option. And this, this is the part where probably normally I would like might bring up the judges, but at this stage, we haven't, we've gotten clearance for them to be involved. We haven't necessarily gotten clearance to, to like, say who it is uh and indeed some of them work for places where you have to get permission uh to to talk about their involvement so those of you who know no those of you who don't sorry 
I apologize for that. Uh, but I, but at least by the time you know that the event happened, it'll, it'll be clear who's who's involved. But that that's more interesting to the artists who are participating than it is to the audience who, is, who are coming through. So you alluded to this a second ago. I don't, did I just enunciate alluded properly? I don't think I did. Let me say that again. You, I won't even edit this. You alluded to this uh, a minute ago. Uh, and, and for transparency's sake, you know, you and myself, uh, uh, KJ and Sarah, part of your team, were on like a two-hour phone call last night that was supposed to be like, a, I think, a 30-minute, like, let's take a look at like who we got and like what we want to do. And we spent an hour and a half trying to figure out ticketing model. So like, um, when that was that was only the, the the time that we spent with you, KJ KJ Knees and Sarah Beal, KJ uh, and I spent probably somewhere in the ballpark of six to eight hours going over different ticketing models. And I just uh, blew it up <laughs> like the second I arrived. I was like, I, I had already said like, oh, that sounds really good. And then we started poking at it. And it was like, wait a second, <laughs> wait, this isn't working. So yeah, this these this is this all it's all fun and games, literally. But like this part of it, the logistics part of it, let's let's talk about that. Let's 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 take the let's take the masks off for a moment. Hype cycle over. Sure. Um, what? Uh, so let's talk about some of the things we we explored. So what I mentioned festival model. Like, what was one of the ideas that we were you guys were kicking around uh, and trying to trying to get working? We've kicked around quite a few ideas. I, I think the so essentially there's three factors at play, and they're all diametrically opposed. And that is getting you know the number of people that you can get through having as as high of an audience size as possible, as much of a throughput as possible. Uh, the cost of the ticket, keeping the ticket price as cheap as possible, and then the quality of the experience, right? Because you know, sure, we can put through. 15 people through a show that's supposed to be for four people and, and nobody's going to have fun with it. So how do we make a, a festival that is for specifically small audience pieces uh, and there's eight of them and it takes two hours to get through all of them, um, not counting all of the, the, you know, the walking between the shows and resetting time. How, how do we possibly juggle all of those things? And it's a challenge. Um, I think what we, uh, we, we talked about sort of an open festival model where we just say, Hey, everybody buys a ticket. Maybe there's, and you're guaranteed to see four of the eight things, or, you know, maybe there's a VIP ticket where everybody gets to see all eight. We, we didn't like that idea very much. And also, uh, you know, we also realized that the, where the lobby is, the lobby is really big and we're going to create some really fun, uh, a really fun lobby experience, but you don't want 150 people sitting there waiting for, for a show to go in either. So um, I think what we settled on is ironically, or what we're currently settled on by the time tickets go on sale, maybe this will be different. Um, what we currently settled on is actually ironically the exact model we used for the previous version of the festival. Uh, <laughs> I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, we didn't know it wasn't broken though. Um is uh, basically just two two-hour performances where everybody you know, will have a smaller audience and everybody will get throughput through every show uh, and then we'll uh, bring in a new audience and do it again. Well, I think, I think one of the things there was, you know, we, we talked about like that, that festival model of like, oh, you could come in, you buy a ticket, you know, like catch as many as you want, leave, come back. Like it sounded like a really great user experience, right? You know, it also meant that we probably could have price the ticket at, you know, maybe like a little bit less because we weren't just like guaranteeing everyone to get through. So like, you know, that, that, that formula, like, okay, price it less, more people can come through, but everyone's guaranteed, but you're, you're definitely going to get at least a few things. And like, I was like, I think at one point I said like, oh, we should have a punch card, you know, make sure everyone's ticket get, card gets punched. And then realized just like the lobby, we didn't have enough space for like all the people to just hang out. It's like, oh, what, what's going to happen for people to stick around? You know, at a certain point you run out of space people don't know when to come and show you show up uh and and the the one disadvantage around the shakespeare center is like well well the shakespeare center is great and there's there's a, a nicely sized lobby so we can actually have like a good number of people in the lobby as we're pushing people through uh to go to, to go to stuff there aren't a bunch of cafes or anything else like directly around it you know um so there wouldn't be anywhere for someone to kind of go off and then come back to 
uh, and and that is, I think, one of the reasons why we pushed away from from that model. Um, well, yeah, and it'll help parking and things like that as well, too. I know. I, yeah. I'm, I've been talking a lot, of, been really hyping up this parking situation tonight. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. It's it is the Los Angeles immersive invitational. You know, it's like this isn't the New York immersive invitational. Like then we'd be like, oh, what's the subway access like? You know, uh, we would have led with that. Um, there's no subway access to so everyone knows like Metro doesn't go anywhere near here. Um, I mean the buses do, but you know, like maybe mini Metro, check that out. If you don't know about mini Metro, go look up mini Metro. It's, it's quite nice. It'll do last mile transportation for you. And it's a dollar and it's run by Metro. It'll, a little van will pick you up. Oh wow. I didn't know that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I don't, I don't know where all the service areas are. You got to take a look, but I think it's really designed to like, you know, cover the areas where like the train doesn't go. Um, so I think there's some limits on it. Um, Juliet Bennett Riley's really into it. And like Adam Conover was just talking about it the other day. So uh, check uh, it out. Check it out. This Angelina. episode of no proscenium podcast is not brought to you by mini Metro. <laughs> I wish <laughs> take that transit money. Um, talked about doing shows on, on, I'm sure a lot of people have talked about doing shows on the Metro system or on an Amtrak or something like that. There's a oh, lot yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, Metro's Metro's sponsored a couple of shows over the years. People have actually done like residency stuff on, on, on the Metro here in LA. So, you know, there's, there's a pre-existing relationship between, uh, between, uh, I mean, it goes back to like Watts Village Theater Company, uh, did something like, Oh God, maybe like a decade ago. even. Um, so yeah, Metro was an early innovator, um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and I'll leave with that because like then my instinct is to start making jokes about it, you know. Uh, and in New York, it'd be a Showtime joke. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, this is what happens when we start recording like after eight o'clock. I'm just like, I'm loopy Noah. Like I'm gonna make bus jokes now. Waka yeah, waka waka. Um, six hours of, of email invitations and questions and stuff. Wow. Yeah, and text text back and forth. Um, so uh, so you're getting rich off of this, obviously. Like, oh yeah, nefarious scheme. Uh, no, talk talk. Let's again masks off. Talk to us about. Um, are you going to make money on this? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? As, as with almost any uh, theater piece in Los Angeles, that is a, a resounding no. I'll be very excited if we um, break even. I mean, that's not the point of the weekend, right? The point of the the weekend is is to celebrate the community and. You know, like if, if, yeah, we're, we're not attempting to make a profit We're we have, you know, we're just trying to cover our costs of venue and really fun things like insurance and permitting. Oh uh, man, there's nothing more fun than insurance. Well, I'm a licensed insurance agent, so you know, <laughs> be careful how you say that. No, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the, then the other half of the money is going towards the teams. It's going towards, uh, all of the teams, which we've tried to make this, uh, one thing we really were, were conscious about in designing the festival uh, or the invitational is we're trying to make it as free as possible for artists to participate. So all of the teams are and like, of course, it's free to participate, but that doesn't mean there's not ancillary costs. Like if you had to buy props or costumes or buy food or whatever. So uh, we have a couple of things happening. Number one, the Shakespeare Center has been very generous and is allowing us to use their props and costumes on site. Um we are providing every team with uh, a little bit of a food stipend uh, for the weekend. And then we are also uh, providing uh, an optional pool of actors. If, if, if any, any uh, company is struggling with casting uh, who are all volunteers. Um, and then at the end of the, of the, the weekend, every team is going to win. So I, I really wanted to be very conscious that this was not a competitive uh, festival. I think the the once again the point is about community and collaboration and building relationships that that haven't been built yet. Um, and so we really, I really want to make sure that, that you know everybody you know did it great last time. So I'm not too worried this time. But I know people can get competitive when there's a prize on the line. So everybody wins a prize. It's I mean, there is a winner. So it's not like it's you know it's it's not like everybody wins exactly the same prize. But um, you know hopefully prizes are not the main motivating factor this weekend. All right. Well, when this drops, it'll just be a couple of weeks. Um, and I think the plan right now is that participant, uh, no, uh, audience tickets go up on this coming Monday is the plan. So a couple of details are going to, uh, hammered out over the weekend and there'll be, I think we, I think we mentioned how many total it was going to be like roughly around 
the current the current model, and as as we alluded to, this has been a, a very liquid situation. Um, the current model has about forty eight uh, to fifty preview tickets and about ninety to a hundred main showcase tickets. So there's not a lot of tickets relative to the number of people participating. Yeah, so it's gonna be a rarity. It's gonna be quite the opportunity and. Even possibly when we're after not too long for this recording, we might have the the remaining participants to to talk about. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, even even if everything doesn't quite work, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think for everybody involved, because uh, it's just it's it's something that is so rare to get this many creative forces under one roof, and I'm I'm excited that we have this chance here to kind of get everything sparked back up uh, here in LA. Uh, Graham, if, if folks, uh, this is not the only thing that After Hours Theater Company does. Uh, if people want to connect with other things, what else are you actually all up to right now? Uh, is the Pixel Playhouse stuff still happening or what's what's going on? Oh, sure. I mean, well, Pixel Playhouse stuff happens, but that's not, act- that's a sort of a separate company. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, we have a lot, we have some, we have, we've been doing a lot of development, I think is what we've been doing. Uh, well, actually one fun thing that we did that we're hoping to continue doing that would be appropriate to talk about here is, so we throw this festival. This is the second time we're throwing this, this uh, 48 hour immersive festival, but we've never actually done it ourselves. And like I said, we were getting frustrated you know, starting and stopping development throughout the entire pandemic for a live show. So our friend, one of my, uh, one of our company members just moved into a, a new house that has this really awesome, really like flexible wood paneled room that could just be kind of anything. And she has it specifically for performance and has a bar and it's all wood paneled and it's beautiful. And so we did a 24 hour uh, immersive show. Um, we, we, we gave ourselves 24 hours and we created a 45 minute piece. It was a immersive cocktail experience and it had puzzles and movement pieces. Um, and it, it was really awesome. And I think everybody who experienced it really enjoyed it. And so I think the plan is to start doing that every couple of months, um, maybe even use it as a way to sort of, uh, you know, play test or, or workshop some larger format ideas. Uh, so that's something that, uh, to look out for. Uh, those would be very limited tickets, you know, due to the nature of the event. Um, and we also do, you know, our thing primarily is, is, uh, uh, hybrid, uh, live, you know, hybrid traditional theater and immersive theater. So we have, uh, a, a show current that I can't announce yet. Um, that is about an alcoholic superhero that will hopefully be taking place in a nightclub. It's a rock musical, uh, and that will hopefully be workshopping in June with a or June or July with a full production run come this fall. Yeah. All right. Well, Graham, as people can tell, always a delight to talk with you. Uh, I'm glad we get to sort of peel back the curtain here a little bit, and also it's going to be a lot of fun to to welcome folks into uh, into this in just a couple of weeks' time. And I think that's really the point. It's to you know to give all of the the companies and the audience and, and you know just everybody a chance to celebrate this this uh, community and also to hopefully welcome new artists into it. This is a great recruitment tool for f- those friends of yours who are like, hey, like I don't know about immersive. Here's an opportunity to see eight drastically different styles of immersive under one roof. Because you know the number of times where I go to a, an immersive and people say, hey, like I, I'm not really into haunts, and I'm like, okay, well th- there's other types of things. But, but they don't have the opportunity necessarily to see them. Here you have the opportunity to see a movement-based immersive, puppets, haunts, escape. I mean, you know, it depends on whatever the groups come up with, but you really get to see uh, all facets of, of this wonderful, weird community that we have. And, and I think you're going to really see some incredible, if the production value isn't the most polished, that's understandable. But I think you're going to see really incredible concepts, really just raw, beautiful, magical, creative energy on full force. And I think that's what, you know, at least I most love about this community. Fantastic. Graham, I can't wait to, uh, to, to get to that weekend. So <laughs> slowly, but surely. Yes. Quickly, but surely. Once again, I want to thank Graham Wetterhahn for being our guest on the show. I do want to, again, thank 
Ricky Briganti and Sarah Elger for uh, sending me the Team Lab related news. And I want to thank all of you for for listening. Uh, just a, a, a short one this week. Uh, I'm you know still you know catching up from the wow stuff uh next week finds us uh we've got some um we've got a uh, i don't actually know the full shape of the show next week yet actually <laughs> it's not all in the can yet it, it might be a single one it might be a double uh but there's a lot of stuff uh coming up in the not too distant future uh there's some really exciting episodes coming along and indeed uh i i am and hopefully it comes across in the interview uh, I'm really stoked about uh, what we've got going on with the Invitational. Uh, it's been, um, I've been, been sitting on uh, some of the involvement of some folks for a while now, and I'm just stoked that we're going to get to put together all these teams under one roof, uh, and uh, it's it's just a real, real fun uh, event. Um, and yeah like i'm there's nothing i love more than connecting artists together and connecting audiences and artists and having them all play with each other that's just it if i could do nothing else for the rest of my life uh, it'd be that so that's what i'm trying to do uh, i'm trying to set up and indeed the people who back us here at patreon patreon.com slash no proscenium are sustaining backers like ari hurston chris woolman eric shamlin deborah robinson elaine jay bushman jerome joseph gentes David Basick, Lonnie Hanson, Mark Balthazar, Sidney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Uh, they uh, help me pursue that dream. They help us pursue that dream. Um, you can also, um, anyway, I'm not going to do a bunch of more pitch stuff. Uh, the The team is, uh, here at NoPro, we're like doing some slight reconfiguration. Mostly because, uh, you'll note, Catherine didn't do the headlines this week. That's because because uh, Catherine has now graduated USC. She has her master's uh, and she has instantly been snapped up by a, a large company, uh, which we are not allowed to name right now. Uh, maybe at some point we will be able to tell you where she went. It also may mean, and we're trying to figure this out, uh, Catherine may not be able to do a lot of work with us because uh, of where she's going. It could be one of those situations. Uh, could be that she's only allowed to do certain things. You know, she she can touch this side, but not that side. Uh, but I also expect her bandwidth to be uh, eaten up. That said, uh, you know, Catherine does... Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Catherine does a lot. Uh, I laugh because I'm terrified. Um, you know, if you interact with NoPro on Twitter, there's a good chance that you've been interacting with Catherine. If it's on Instagram, definitely Catherine. If it's on Facebook, it's me. Um, if it's, uh, you know, she delivers our headlines. She does, uh, you know, managing editor is a real role. It means that the assignments uh, for editor, for the uh, the review crew gets like set by her. So we've been, you know, doing a few things uh, where, you know, the senior team, the, the, the core of the review crew, uh, that's, Kevin and Laura and Patrick and Blake and Leah Davis have all sort of, you know, stepped up into a, a kind of not not admin, but like editorial role, like they're editing each other's pieces. They're keeping an eye out on stuff. We've also opened up uh, and, and brought some people in to volunteer. I'm onboarding folks. Uh, I'm going to onboard all those folks and get that working. And then we might do another round. But, you know, thank you to everyone who reached out. It was a really generous response, and now I got to figure out how to make this actually work and run it. Like I know what to do; it's just finding the time to to breathe. Uh, but we um, we're we're gonna be trying some stuff uh, in social. We've got some experiments. There's some things I've wanted to do forever, and uh, it actually something Kevin suggested uh, made me break out some old plans. So we don't. It's going to be different. You're still going to get everything you normally get. In some ways, um, you know, we're by trying new things, we might strike onto something that works even better uh, for all of us. Uh, there's also very much the reality that Twitter's going through a really weird phase right now. And while my it's it is remains my addiction when it comes to social media, um, might not be the center of our social uh, plans anymore. Although we're going to try like a really big experiment uh, in the next couple of months. Um, but our discord is, uh, I'm trying to myself habituate myself into using our discord more often. I'm trying to get, uh, in the mode of like hosting AMAs again. We did some of that stuff last month. It tapered off uh, back in March, it tapered off a bit this month, going to get back to it next month. Uh, there's just a matter of kind of, 
getting a rhythm on these things. Uh, the prep work takes time and, uh, you know, if I, if I go off to wow or I'm in Vegas next week, you know, the, the, it can, if we're not in a mode where there's inertia on something, i.e. if we haven't been doing something for about four or five weeks, uh, in a row, it, it's a little hard to keep the momentum going, which is one of the reasons why, you know, bringing on some folks to, to volunteer, there may be a few folks, you know, taking over some of those things. For instance, uh, Blake and Patrick run the book club and the book club's reading night circus this month. Uh, that's coming up, I believe on the 17th. And I, I'm not really involved in that. Or we've got the walkabout mini golf, uh, thing that we've been doing and I'm playing that, but, um, Mike Augustine, Augie, uh, stepped up and, and is, has volunteered to, uh, take over running that little social experiment and people are, are really enjoying that. In fact, uh, we're doing another round, uh, and we're going to open up, it was supposed to be this week, but I'll make sure we do it next week. We're going to open up signups for the mid May starting round. So if you have a quest headset and want to come and play uh, mini golf with the community, we're having a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to keep on iterating on that. And there will be office hours uh, in the discord pretty soon again, mostly because I need to stop taking uh, requests <laughs> for people who are like, oh, hey, can you meet with me? Uh, and I need to I need to channel that into something where like, hey, you can find me here uh, just because it's it, life is such that I, I, I need to stop saying yes to everyone who knocks on the door. And I need to say, like, if you if you want to find me and talk to me for a bit, here's here's when I'm available. Uh, so that's what I'm doing for my own my own sanity. And that also means uh, we will have office hours probably going to be like Mondays. I'm thinking like Mondays, four to six, twice a month. Uh, it, it might be that one is just for, uh, Patreon backers and one is available to everybody in the discord. So figuring that out, working things out. Okay. Uh, that's the behind the scenes section. Uh, I didn't just do that just because it's a very short show, but it is an opportunity. Um, and, uh, and maybe, maybe I need to talk to you as, as much as you enjoy listening to me. We've got a relationship after all. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's enough. I've done the sustaining backers. Let me uh, thank everybody involved with this. The associate producer of the No Presenting Prod Podcast. Prodcast, my God, what is up? I'll tell you what's up. What's up as I keep on keep on being woken up by my neighbor. Uh, social producer uh, is Parker Sella. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Uh, special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. Catherine Yu is still with us as the executive editor of No Pro for, for the moment. Uh, and this podcast is all my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show.